0: My guest today is Brittany Eastman, and this conversation is a profound invitation into your own truth, into your own artistic expression, letting go of the myth of getting somewhere, letting go of outsourcing your innate power to gurus and experts and industry standards, and truly creating something in the world from remembering, knowing, and your truth. So, my invitation to you is listen to us express our paths and our truths and then really tune into yours. And the biggest contribution you can make is to go and express that truth out in the world. When you generously share your frequency, your truth in the field, it creates this beautiful ripple effect that reminds everybody around you of their own innate power. So may you have the courage to connect to your truth, to hear it, and to express it. Make sure you listen to the very end of this conversation where we talk about visual storytelling and our approaches to brand photo shoots and how it plays a role that is way bigger than just something on the surface. Brittany, I am so excited to welcome you on my podcast and have this conversation. I discovered you through Ellie Siler, who was Mm -hmm. a guest a few months ago after having a session with me, after finding me through the magic of search engine optimization on the internet and just clicking in so many beautiful ways. And then somehow I saw your name on Ellie's account and I saw a few of your posts And immediately, do you know that feeling when you see someone's posts and it feels like, wait, did I write this? Did I (laughs) write this in my journal yesterday? This is literally the same, you know, vortex of what I'm moving through and what feels the most alive in me. And how is it possible that another human in another part of the world that I've never met is traveling through the same streams of consciousness? So at first, and Ellie and I have talked about this. At first, I was like, "Do I follow her? Because <laughs> is she I'm like stealing and copying her because I'm literally moving through the same stuff." So I really like gave myself the space to soften into it and trust myself that this resonance is happening for a reason, and that there is a way to approach it with grace instead of comparison, and all the mm-hmm. other places that that could go from like the old paradigm of how perhaps women have interacted. So I'm so glad I chose to hit follow because your artistry, the depth of your writing, the beauty of your branding and photography. And now that I've, you know, dove deep onto your website and the way that you tell stories and weave different tapestries is so
1: beautiful. And I'm grateful to share you with my people. Thank you so much for saying that. I am fully receiving that. I'm, I'm really, really grateful you have hit on all of the pieces of my work that I would most like to be seen for. So thank you so much. Mm. And it's really beautiful that you bring up Ellie because we had that exact same experience when we found each other. We were like, wait, you're thinking that I'm thinking that. <laughs> and it was this <laughs> really beautiful experience of a really similar thing of being very connected to a really similar stream of thought. And we, we started. <laughs> Ellie started calling me the lump because she was like, I feel like we come from the same lump where we're tapped into the same kind of cloud of consciousness, where we're downloading these really similar thought patterns, and then we're doing our own thing with them. And she actually had mentioned you around the same time. She much, must have mentioned me to you mm-hmm. and I your work. And I thought, wow, there's so much resonance between not only us, but the three of us, you, me, Ellie. And it's so beautiful to be immersed in your world too. And I'm, I'm really grateful to have you in mine.
0: So the particular topic that really got me in your writing was the way you were talking about social media Mm. Um, and we'll get there, but I kind of want to zoom out first and Mm. set the tone for this conversation. I feel like there's so many juicy spots we can visit in your entrepreneurial journey, where you've gone and where you're at now, and the way that you show up and serve and share your art with the world. And there's a quote that I've pulled from your website that is so potent and I feel so active in so many of us that I'm just going to read the whole thing. Probably weird for <laughs> hearing somebody else read in their so voice. Weird. Like something it's weird out. to be quoted. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. Right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I spent years outsourcing my power to the gurus and experts playing by all the business rules, believing that everyone else was more of an expert on my own alignment than me and trying to override my self-doubting beliefs with positive thinking. It took me almost a decade of being in business to recognize that I was custom made to live the life of my dreams. Every quirk, nuance, Natural proclivity and skill is purposefully encoded in my cells to help me live my life in the way that brings me most alive, and the same is true for all of us. There are no mistakes in nature. So I realized, business is not a game of social media hacks, engagement, reach, or funnels. It is about how me I can be. I would love to invite you to take us on a journey of... What was that decade of not this like? And what brought you to this place where you're at now?
1: Oh, gosh, that decade of, yeah, letting everyone else tell me how it's meant to go was extremely painful. It's extremely painful. And I'm certain so many entrepreneurs can resonate when I say that I felt or I, I thought a lot of that time, what is wrong with me? What, what am I getting wrong? Why is it that when that person does it like that, and then I do it like that, it works for them, but not for me. Why are the rules not the same? Am I just not destined for greatness? Am I just not destined for success? It was a very personal experience as in I took it very personally that I wasn't having success, and. I think the biggest thing that I learned through that process is that the experience of failure is not personal and that I really needed to learn how to depersonalize my experience of failure or depersonalize my experience of even success to a degree. And I think the thing that really supported me in getting to a place now where, (laughs) and don't get me wrong, failure still hurts. um, it's just not personal anymore. I'm not internalizing it and making it mean something about who I am fundamentally at my core, you know, because something doesn't go the way I want it to go. doesn't mean that I'm not an amazing person or that I'm not gifted or skilled or talented. It's just, they're just not the same thing. You know, they're not even related. So yeah, I think the biggest thing that I learned around this was that timing matters more than time itself. So the reason or the the way that I got to that point was because I had this incredible experience. So for five years I had worked in personal training and network marketing and really just, I worked really, really hard. You know, it was a lot of hours. It was a lot of grit and grind and hustle and all of those kind of qualities that we're all very familiar with and i didn't feel super fulfilled my bank account certainly wasn't plump and juicy <laughs> i wasn't experiencing all of that which i desired as a definition for success being seen and heard and recognized and fulfilled and feeling really alive with creativity i didn't feel any of those things and i had done that for you know a really big chunk of time and then i had a moment where i had this kind of breakthrough realization that, hold on, I don't even like this. Like, what am I doing here? And it was this, it was, you know, it was a build up, a crescendo almost of five years of holding all of this. Oh, what am I getting wrong? What's, why isn't it working? And essentially in that moment, I decided to crumble everything. So I exited all of the things that I was doing And I just left myself wide open and available to possibility. Like, let's just see where this goes, because honestly, if I'm not doing these things, I'm really no worse off. At least I've got time on my hands. At least I've got space to explore. And that moment changed everything because in that period of time, I started exploring human design as a modality and I started working in that space as in, I just started talking about it with my friends and they were like, can you do a reading? Yeah, sure. One thing led to another, led to another, led to another. I was completely booked out. I had a wait list six months long, really naturally. And almost overnight, I was earning five figures every month. And it really helped me understand something about time, which was that the timing of my success isn't personal either. It's not like if I put the hard yards in, if I just work long enough, if I just did it, then it will all work out. It was more like when I gather the necessary skills, experiences, emotional tools, relationships, energetic understandings, emotional maturities. Like when I gather all of these things, then the timing will be right on my quantum path for something else to take place. And I started having a really different understanding of time versus timing. And I thought, wow, I really can have anything I want whenever I want it. I just have to be willing to do what I need to do to become who I need to become for that to happen. And that understanding really shifted everything for me because it stopped me feeling like I was in a place of struggle. So for those 10 years before where I was just working and grinding, I thought that I was waiting out my time until I earned my right to success. So that time was full of struggle and pain and discomfort and a really personalized and turning that failure in on myself. Where I made it mean something about who I was as a human being. To then have a snap experience where I was like, I don't even like this. Like, what am I waiting for here? (laughs) to then watch how that was almost like the final piece of the puzzle that unlocked my next piece of timing where I could access a new reality. That to me was that experience. It was painful. It was, it was very painful. And I, I really, you know, when I hear other entrepreneurs talking about that now, like, Yo, when is my time? When is my time? I'm like, I really get it. I understand. And I think there's a lot of like positive thinking that can get laid over the top of that but I think when people understand the deeper meaning of timing and their role in like fostering their own timeline I think Mm. it can create really different experiences and so my my difference the difference now is I suppose I'm I'm not taking it personally
0: Mm.
1: it takes very deep slowing down and listening to know whether
0: (laughs) It's time to crumble it and actually, wait, hold on. I don't want to be doing this versus I'm trusting the divine timing. And the amount of courage that it takes to leave something that you've put so much hard work into, and it's like our ego and our fears, they hold on to this hard work. They're like, wait, but success might come tomorrow because I've put so much hard work. But in the quantum that we're pointing to, it doesn't really work like that. Success doesn't come until we have a certain amount of attachment from it released and until we become who right. we're meant to become, which is the most important piece of the puzzle. And yeah. you mentioned that you needed to first become who you needed to become and you needed to arrive at certain energetic
1: understandings. And I'm curious what those are. Those energetic understandings of what I needed to arrive and who at. who you needed
0: you- to become. Mm-hmm.
1: Who I needed to become was... Well, and I mean, you kind of alluded to this in in the quote that you quoted back to me around outsourcing to gurus and experts. This was the biggest piece of myself I had to reclaim, which was that, yes, there are all of these incredible people who can teach me so much, but they are never going to teach me the thing that already runs through my blood they're never going to teach me the thing that I was born to do. They're going to teach me skills that might help me use it better. They might help me with tips and tricks and tools and I might learn through subliminal observation, but they're never, ever, ever going to teach me the thing I was born to do. It's just that simple. And I think that was the biggest energetic understanding is that The thing that I am the best at is the thing that no one else has interfered with. And so why on earth do I keep putting myself in the field of people who think they're going to tell me how to be successful? And I'm very sceptical of that now. I'm very sceptical of anyone who says, let me show you how to be successful I think the biggest energetic understanding that I had to have was that I actually hold the power. I hold the power. I am the person who is capable of summoning this incredible genius within me, this incredible natural gift within me. And I have to, it's not about cultivating it. It's about remembering it. Like what can I get out of the way that sits between me and the thing that I'm the best at? Well, most of that is conditioning and experience and a lot of other people that I've put in between me and there. experts and gurus and teachers and all of these people who think that they can tell me a new way. And so it was that, I'm, a, I'm over the word reclamation, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was like remembering, remembering. That was the biggest energetic understanding of was time versus timing. It was that no, no one's going to give me more power. No, no one can give me more. I was born powerful. It's remembering it. And it was about actually, I don't even like calling you know the zeitgeist that we live in. I don't like calling it noisy because it's 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 only as noisy as I'm willing for it to be. But I just needed to turn down the volume because I feel like I'd let it get really loud. You know, I'd let mm-hmm. a lot of people weigh in on how I should be and how I should do things, and I just really simply needed to turn it down. And again, all of this kind of comes back to like discipline. To be honest, discernment, discipline, like being very refined in who and what I let into my field.
0: Yeah, I would love to hear more about the practical side of that. What did that mean? Did that mean you didn't take online courses or hire mentors? Did that mean you muted certain people on Instagram? How did you kind of curate that field to make sure that you had enough space to listen to your inner self?
1: Yes. So practically, it looked like. I had kind of like an assumed mentor, like it wasn't someone I was paying to do mentorship with or anything like that, but kind of an assumed mentor in my life who was in a similar field to me. And I really started understanding a lot about our relationship dynamic that wasn't healthy. Like a lot about it that was geared in the direction of keeping me exactly where I was. So it actually looked like completely ending that relationship. It looked like unfollowing everyone (laughs) from social media. I took no courses, no programs. I have only ever had one coach and I've had one mentor. So I keep my world really lean and really light. I don't take a lot of programs and courses. And so, and and that's not because I'm like, you know, (laughs) I can do it on my own. It's it's not for that. It's actually what happens to me when I let too much in is that I know myself. I'm very malleable. I'm like, that's a great opinion. Like I really love that one. And then someone could say something that was completely opposing that sounds honestly just as great. I'm a very malleable person and I know that about myself. And so discernment and discipline and really exercising those practices of keeping the volume very low is incredibly important for me to keep a really pristine channel. Yeah, You know, it's just, I, I knew myself.
0: You know, it's interesting how some, there's like a thought in the business and coaching and mentorship world that keeps appearing over and over again. It's, it's this idea that how can you offer coaching or mentorship to others if you don't have your own mentor? And there's like a humorous place where we can take it. Ellie and I have laughed about how is coaching world and mentorship world like a pyramid scheme, you know, because everybody (laughs) has their coach and their mentor and it's, you know, it's very interesting, the (laughs) dynamics of it. But a lot of it is very healthy in my experience and very, very, very helpful. So what is your take on defining that line for yourself of, okay, I'm in a student mode, I'm in a mentee mode. Versus I am creating and I'm
1: shutting down the noise. Mm. Well, I think I am an eternal student and I am going to, I'm, I'm going to learn. Oh my gosh. I am going to learn until for every minute of every day. Like I am an observer. I naturally take in a lot of information. I'm an avid reader and usually not about things related to our world at all. Like, give me some 14th 15th century English history i'm going to go down that rabbit hole i'm a learner and i learn a lot from those experiences that can really translate into the field but my line is something that happens when i'm in the field of a lot of other people is that i notice myself you know my my mentor calls it the mentorship echo you know, what's happening for her will happen for her will happen for her. And it's kind of like, we're all part of this beautiful lineage and we can free things up and we can move things around that free things up for the woman that comes after us. And that's a really beautiful thing. But also I don't want to just be an accumulation of the lineage that I'm a part of.
0: Mm.
1: I want my own experiences and I want to be able to sit with what I'm observing and be like, okay, but what do I think about this and how would I tend to this? I want to develop my own body of work. I want to develop my own understandings and global teachings and ways of, you know, seeing and observing and understanding patterns and imprints and other people. I'm, I'm a, (laughs) I'm an endless learner. I love observing people and developing my own theories and perspectives from that. So I notice that when I am with my people, when I'm mentoring, and I continue reaching into the tool bag of all of the skills that I've learned from my own mentors, I think, where am I? Where, where, like, where am I in that? Because that doesn't feel great either. Because I know that once I've done that, I am heavily relying on skill set, and I am not bringing any of my genius into this at all. So I think that there there are these two beautiful piles that I can draw from of this beautiful learned skill set from the brilliant women that have helped me and taught me and led me beautifully and offered me their own genius. And where am I in that? Because I don't just want to be a collection of experiences Mm -hmm. that I'm then offering out here, you know, offering verbally to my people. I want to be an observer. And that that's really shaped a lot of my work that I've offered recently because it's been about like noise way down. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What's left? Like what springs forth when I don't have social media or mentors or programs or courses as the jumping off point for all of my conversational topics? Where does my brain naturally want to go? that's a really interesting point for me to get to. So, Mm. yeah, I just, I think that there's a point when all you're doing is leaning into the skills that you've learned from others versus where do you come into it?
0: Yeah. It's like this combination of both that is so unique to everyone. And I know that the way that it's shown up for me in the past few days is I restarted work with my mentor Mm -hmm. and um, this download came through for this new, whole new creation whole new website and the domain costs quite a bit of money and I was kind of sitting with it and everything about it feels so right and so exciting. And it's such a pure directional from the ether, from the universe, God, yet there was part of me when I messaged her about it and wanted to run it by her, there was like this need for approval. And Mm -hmm. so I noticed in that pattern of why am I asking for approval? This is a moment of celebration because I already have the clarity that I was seeking. And mm-hmm. so for me, kind of identifying when it's me sharing because I actually would like someone else's take on it that I really trust, like a reflection because I haven't yet arrived at the clarity mm-hmm. versus It's like full yes in my body, yet there's like, hold on, let me check. Am I allowed to do this? Is this the right thing? Is this aligned? It's like going back to where we started of like seeking this approval of alignment from outside when the only authority is within. And when we learn to trust it, it keeps guiding us every step of the way.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, yeah, where am I in this? Is it only going to be cool if she thinks it's cool? Is it only going to be okay if she thinks it's okay? Or do I already think it's cool and okay? And I just want to have someone to share this with. Do I just want to have someone that wants to celebrate with me? Who's going to love me and understand the significance of this? Because that's a really beautiful place to come from when you're a mentee. And of course, there are genuine times where running things past people and being like, what do you think about this? From your that, That's a great place to come from. But yeah, I think we all know the difference.
0: So you crumbled whatever you were creating before. Mm -hmm. Then you started doing human design. You Mm -hmm. did 300 readings in one year. Sorry, that was in like six months. (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, I did a lot
0: of readings. That's insane. Now what you're offering is very different. And I'm curious how it alchemized and showed you the way From there, it's different from kind of like the marketing paradigm of this is how we launch things. You talk about not doing launches at all and scaling from a different place. And I'd love to get a little bit into what that looks like right now and and how it feels
1: inside of you. I think I just really trust how I feel about my creations. And I really, really want to do the right thing by my community. I really don't take it for granted that like people literally pay me to have a perspective. That's mind blowing to me. (laughs) That is absolutely mind blowing. Like what an extremely privileged and incredible position to be in where I literally get to just be online, have a perspective and get paid beautifully for that. And so whilst I don't feel like I owe anyone anything, I certainly feel devoted to bringing a really beautiful experience to my community. And each time I have decided to, you know, bring something to its natural completion, like anything that I'm offering, like human design readings, I had a human design school, I had a bunch of signature programs that weren't signature programs anymore. You know, anytime I've decided to bring those things to completion, it's been because the way I felt about it wasn't exciting anymore. I felt like I was having to go back into the archives, pull them into the present moment, offer them out. And I was like, you know, I actually trust my community more than that. I don't think I need to, like I'm air quoting here, I don't feel like I need to dial it down because they're not ready for me. I don't think that they're air quotes beginners. I don't have to go back into the archives to be relevant for them. I feel like that's, that's really it's condescending to the community. That's how I felt. Of course, that's not the same for everyone. Some people are beautiful at consistently working with beginners. It was more like, I want to continue doing what feels the most exciting. And I trust that if that's what I want to do, that that's the direction I need to take them. I trust that the people that want to come will come. So as soon as I was getting to the end of like, the natural cycle or the natural end of any of those creations or offerings, I would let everyone know, Hey, this is ending. I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. You can get in one last time if you want. Otherwise it's, you know, this is the cutoff date." and I would just keep kind of moving. And the human design thing was interesting because that connected me with a lot of people in business. And I'd never worked in the business space before. I was like, I don't want to be in business. Like I like having one. I, I don't want to talk about it all the time. Um, but I kept finding creative people would land across the screen from me. And I found this absolutely impossible to disentangle from experience of creativity in business. I was like, I can't talk about creativity without talking about business. And here I am running an essentially six figure business overnight, maybe I am good at business. Okay. I kind of thought this is just what happened. Like this was just a side effect of me being good at human design, but maybe actually I'm good at business and human design is the vehicle for now. So I started working with more human design meets business. And then it was just business. And then it was creativity and business. And then it was just creativity. And it kind of just, you know, snowballed. It kept moving. And I've never had any kind of teachers teach me the foundations or the basics or anything to do with energetics or the quantum field or anything like that. It was almost like it was something that I just understood. And I had no idea why. And it kept coming up in all the conversations that I was having, all of the clients that were coming through my door, all the people coming into my programs, they'd say, do you have any good books? Like, what have you read about that? And I'd say, I haven't read any books about that. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I know this. I'm just observing, I'm seeing things. It was all just these really beautiful, natural progressions into the next thing. As soon as I felt like I had really walked the path of it and embodied it, I would feel really compelled to create something for people in that way. So it's, it has felt really natural. Like it's been a very, very natural progression. I feel like I've brought all of those seasons to their natural completion. And then I've opened into a new one and it's just, it's been a really beautiful experience.
0: So with the human design offerings being complete, what have they morphed into? And what, what is your offering now in the world? How do you think about it?
1: It's a great question. (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) so I haven't done human design for a couple of years now, but what I'm offering now is what I would say, how to create beautiful lives that create beautiful businesses as the bounty I care more about the way people feel in their life as opposed to how they feel in their business. Cause I feel like the, the life is, it's like the, the root, the business is what grows, you know, at the top it's the bit that you can see. So I care more about looking at the whole person. And so the things that I offer now Number one, I have a digital haven, which is where I do lots of long form writing and really personal, intimate audio journeys. Um, honestly, it's like my favorite place to be. I I created it because I wanted to offer an antidote to the four second content that we're so used to seeing. And because I really wanted to create a place to invite myself into embodying the archetype of the writer. So how can I offer my community something that really, really nourishes them that sits a little bit, not separate to it's. It's not groundbreaking. Pe- people do it. It's essentially a blog. Let's be honest, but it's not super common. And there's not many places where people can come and have a really deep experience. Like there's a lot of light, humorous, long form pieces out there, but like, can we have a really philosophical, deep conversation about all of the nuances of life? And can we do that in a closed private place where conversation is encouraged? It's really accessible and I can practice being a writer because that's a really deep desire of mine. So that's one of the places that it's kind of morphed into, which is I don't want to be online all the time. I don't want to be like sitting on a Zoom all the time like teaching and like I'm not in a season of my life where I can do that. I have three young kids, you know it's just it's just not possible. This part of my week that I always look forward to. It's like a 5-day experience to write one long-form piece because I do it in these like little pockets and I really love that. The other place that uh, the other thing that I've created is called The Festival. It's essentially a monthly masterclass that is a mystery. You don't know what you're getting until you arrive online, but you know that it's something to do with living a beautiful life, energetic mastery, mental discipline, beautiful businesses. You know, it's something in the realm of that, but you don't really know what it is. We've got special guests that kind of pop in and it's just, it's enjoyable. It's fun. And I find myself seeing life through a different lens. I wanted to be able to create something where I trusted myself to be an observer and to not have someone feed a relevant or hot topic to me. You know, that was a really big part of this was how much do I trust myself to observe life in a really acute and and like really discerning manner? where each month i can arrive with you and i can say hey from my perspective here's what i'm seeing and here's how we can work with this on an energetic level and here's how you can live a really beautiful life from this that felt challenging to me and enjoyable and kind of fun i'm like i'm literally selling a mystery to you and that feels enjoyable <laughs> you know that that feels like what a what an enjoyable challenge can i sell a mystery to people turns out, yeah, you can. And it's fun. Uh, and then from that, we created the green room, which was essentially like, you know, what we're calling a backstage pass. And it's a, there's a private Instagram account where we have hot seat mentoring and we use the conversation from that month's masterclass within the festival as like the jumping off point to continue that conversation. And I take people behind the scenes into my life and show them how I'm actually living. How am I living the content? Because I get it. I can sit here and I can wax lyrical about the things that I'm noticing. But unless you come and see me literally in my kitchen, in my living room, in my life, out on my walk, processing life and moving with what I know, well, it's just going to be another one of those things that you listen to and you're like, wow, that was mind blowing. That was awesome. That was so cool. I'm going to share about that on Instagram. And then you're going to carry on living your life exactly how you've always lived it. It's like, Let this be the process of integration that we all walk together. I've been very inspired to create pathways that are a little different, that help people get out of the marching two by two with everyone. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. It's very palpable in all of your work and all of your writing. You're very poetic in the way that you describe your offerings and the way you name them. And I'm curious, when you say digital haven, is that, what are you referencing in the earthly realm?
1: Yeah. (laughs) What is it? (laughs) So it's essentially just, it's like a little member portal that we've customized and personalized to feel really beautiful. Like you, you enter into it, you click on your little login button, you, you kind of arrive and it's beautifully branded and all of the links say something quirky and fun. And it's not just like click here, log in here. It's like Mm -hmm. offer something please. (laughs) Or it's nothing to see here. No announcements today. Like we've really customized, personalized everything. And I think these things matter to me too. These really beautiful, refined finishing touches. I made a real commitment that no matter what people were investing with me, no matter how much money they spent with me, they were going to get a world class experience. So this digital haven is twenty five dollars a month. You know, it's it's extremely affordable, and I want you to feel like it's worth ten thousand. I want you to come in, and I want to have, I want to give you the most incredible experience, and so. I wanted to call it a digital haven. I wanted it to be a place where people would come in and quite literally feel like they started exhaling because it looked beautiful. It felt beautiful. It sounded beautiful. It read beautiful. I wanted them to have that experience. So hence why I call it a haven. But yes, in the earthly realm, mm. it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a login page. <laughs> I did
0: notice all of the different writings under buttons, just how artistic they are. And it feels like it tracks back to your philosophy of creating from pleasure. Mm. And I love the way that you describe creating from pleasure as something that requires presence. And it being this, this is again from your website, quoting you <laughs> a here I am energy, not here's where I've been energy. Mm. And you say that you notice a distinct difference when you create from this place and there's less of yes, queen and fire emojis, (laughs) because that's so interesting how what I'm noticing in myself and kind of in the industry, which is another topic I'd love to get into with you. I know Uh, you've spoken to that beautifully. (laughs) But something kind of I've seen in the echo chamber is there's this hunting the bounty of this affirmation and mirroring back of, Oh my gosh, I've been thinking about the same thing. And yes, queen. And you know, all the things that you describe, and how true body of work creations and being a vessel of truth and being more of myself, it doesn't need any of these things to affirm that I'm in the right place on my path. And it takes an immense amount of trust And everything you've shared so far, like I'm sensing just such an immense amount of trust and leaping and crumbling what's not alive anymore and coming back into what is. And of course, there's playfulness and there's room to create from a place of joy and creativity because it's not from like, oh, how is it done? Oh, let me implement this business plan that I read about in a book or in a course or my mentor told me, but it's this truly creating for the sake of creating and trusting that everything else will fall into place in divine timing.
1: I guess my experience with that is that I had created a lot of content that had got me the, the celebrations and the recognition and the shares and the, you know, new followers coming and all the things. And I was really attracted to that for a while. It was making me feel like I was really getting somewhere. And I guess the difference is that over time, I started realizing that it actually wasn't. It was just creating the illusion that I was moving somewhere different. But what was happening was that people were just seeing themselves in what I was writing and they were liking it, which kind of got me in a bind because then I felt like I could only write in a way that they could relate to. And any time I went outside of that and I wasn't getting the recognition and I wasn't getting all of the shares and the engagement and the all the things, I felt like I was missing the mark. I felt like I was wrong. And so then that bind that I spoke of kind of took place where I felt as though kind of like what I was talking about earlier, I had to keep going back into the archives to speak to things so that I could get the responses that made me feel good on a really egoic level. But at the time I didn't know that. I just thought, oh my gosh, I I personalized it. I took it really personally. I'm not relevant when I don't say things like this, this, and this. And so then I started feeling like I was bound to this style, this voice, this kind of writing, this kind of topic. And it really restricted me. And it felt really like I was caged in. And so then I started just making stuff from that place because it's what got me the most recognition. Now that has an expiry date because obviously that gets you nowhere, (laughs) like genuinely, it gets you nowhere. It wasn't translating to more joy in my life. It wasn't translating to more money in my bank account. It wasn't translating into more clients knocking on my door. There was just more comments under my post. and that's not the same as more genuine success by my standards. So when I started to ask myself the question of, even if no one was watching, what would I want to say? What would I want to create? What would I want to write? I really started to create for my own pleasure, for my own experience. Like if I wrote with myself at the forefront, what would I say? And to this day, there is definitely less hype in the comments section. <laughs> you know, there are way fewer people that share my work because it's an acquired taste. Not everyone is ready to have that kind of a conversation. And I've really had to make my peace with that. I've really had to be like, that that's fine. That that's actually okay. I don't always feel awesome. I don't always, you know, I, I see some posts going viral, like I'm really, really human in this way. Like I see some things getting shared a lot, and I think, I could make that. And then I ask myself, do I want to though? <laughs> Is that actually the kind of content I want to make? Absolutely not. No shade. That's cool. That's that's right for you. It's just not for me. And I think I've really from this place of really creating from pleasure and creating from my own deep and true heart's desires. I've really understood my place in the world is that I am not like a fashion trend. I don't take off like wildfire. You know, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm a slow burn kind of a gal, you know, you, find me and you might find me intriguing and some of my posts are a bit curious and and then over time I feel like a love affair begins but I'm definitely a slow burn kind of a person and I think really understanding that about myself it stays me on course when it comes to the kind of things that I create and offer the world because I don't I'm not clickbaity I'm not hot and fast and I'm not, my God, this is going to save me. I'm not that kind of a creator. Yeah. Yeah. Creating from pleasure is different.
0: Yeah. I feel this so deeply and, you know, this creating from pleasure also is like an antidote to following the patterns, following the gurus, trusting what's been done before and what's been successful. And once again, it's this deep invitation into, okay, I could be creating this kind of content, I could be going viral over there. I could be putting out all these TikToks and making these YouTube videos, but am I meant to? I have a finite amount of energy and every project I choose gets 100% of all of my soul, all of my being, all of my creativity and skills. Mm -hmm. So what is meant to be created by me and with me and through me instead of kind of, there's also like this undertone of, when we see something that we could be doing, and our brain gets in and says, I could be doing this, and then we don't do it. And then we make ourselves wrong for, oh, I had these ideas, but I didn't implement them. So it's so, it feels so beautiful to be shining the light of awareness in all of these invitations and like the nuances. And part of it is also reminding me of the beautiful conversation that I saw you create on Instagram, which was about industry. And it's about how. I've been there for sure. And it's this idea of when we see the industry and how somebody else is doing something somewhat related to what we are curious about and kind of are being called into, but then we see a flavor of it that really repels us. Mm -hmm. And we decide to close the door on the whole thing and say this, I'm never doing this like this. And then we find ourselves lost because we don't end up doing it in the way that is us in the unique way that is meant to be done through us. I would love you to say anything that comes to mind as I reflect this to you, because your kind of identification of these like bigger topics that are in all our minds and hearts, you have just like a laser obsidian knife kind of (laughs) um, relationship with words and identifying those things that I've not really seen anywhere else.
1: Wow. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I guess the industry thing is really fascinating because a lot of what I see coming into my business, but also what I see out there in the industry, in the actual people that do this kind of work, is that sometimes in order to make our point, we like to reject what sits in opposition to it. Instead of just saying, here's where I want to go. Like here's where I want to take us. Here's this idea I have. Here's this vision that I hold for us. Like here's a new conversation that we get to have. It's like, I want to have this conversation because this is what I don't like. Here's what's not working. I saw this person do this thing. It's not cool. Here's what I'm going to offer you instead. There's something that, that really bothers me about that because we all know the courage that's required to be an entrepreneur. At a time in the world where every single thing we do, thing we say, action we take can be looked at under the microscope, dissected until the cows come home and can be ripped apart and made mean something that it doesn't mean. In a world where that is possible right now and a lot of that does happen, I think the thing that most entrepreneurs need to hear is I am so proud of you. I am so inspired by your courage to be an entrepreneur. You keep doing you. And here's where I want to take my people. I just don't think that there's anything that, air quoting, the industry is doing that you can't rise above or move away from if you want to. There's just nothing. The industry isn't, it's not a regulated industry. It's not a body that you need to conform to. You're not governed by anything. We've made it up. We've made this industry a thing. We've literally made it up out of fucking thin air. (laughs) It means nothing other than what we're making it mean. And we've given it an identity and we've given it a definition. All self-made. Based on subliminally what we have picked up and internalized. Which means if you have a yearning or an urge or a desire to say something that might sit separate to the general narratives that exist in this made up industry, you can. (laughs) Like, you really just can. If everyone is saying, You know, it's the end of the year and there's this many days and you've got to do this. And you're like, I don't really feel that urge. You can just say that. As we move into the end of the year, I really want to offer you something that is more peaceful. If everyone is saying, you know, embody your best CEO, like it's all about the CEO, and you're thinking, also just be a business owner. You can say that we just don't have to then put it in direct opposition to everything else that exists. We don't need to combat each other. We don't need to fight each other. We don't need to compete. We just have to say what we want to say. And I think we got really worked up in that we've made it mean that when something sits maybe in contrast to our existing immediate belief in this moment because that will change but when things sit in in contrast to this we again we personalize it and we make it mean something about our own righteousness and it just simply does not mean that the truth is so momentary and your truth is based on everything you're experiencing in your own life you know, when someone might be wanting to slow down in their business and move back into their family unit more, someone else is like finally experiencing the freedom of maybe their kids growing up a little bit and and they're experiencing more, you know, more time freedom and they're experiencing this rise in creativity. Both of those truths exist at the same time and they're both correct. And I just feel that our obsession with what the industry is doing is a scapegoat. It's a scapegoat for us. Or the industry is doing this and I don't like it. And it's, it kind, it just, it almost gives us a right to complain. I'm like, why do you care what the industry is doing? Yeah. Do you want to do that? Do you like it? Could you just move how you want to move? Like, Let your own moves tell the story of what is true for you. Yeah, it's it's something I feel really strongly about because I think so many people spend so long obsessing over the way someone else is creating, someone else is launching, someone else is marketing, someone else is saying that thing, that word that's hot right now. I don't like that word. I like this word. It's, oh my gosh, there's like so, there's so much to descend our dislike upon. What if you just didn't? And my mentor used to say this to me. She's like, be disciplined enough to interrupt yourself mid-thought or mid-sentence. Please do. You know, in this instance, please do. When you find yourself walking a path where you start rejecting or condescending or patronising the industry, interrupt yourself. And then place yourself squarely on the path that you want to move in and start shooting in that direction.
0: And really what it boils down to is, am I going to use my energy to destroy something, which is the patronizing, the judgment, the criticism, or am I going to use my energy for creation? And it takes more courage and more truth and more trust to choose creation, but it is always the more life-giving choice. And also looking around and making sure that we know what's going on is really when we get honest with ourselves, it's an excuse to not show up and be seen. And I find that the more I've been able to, the word that comes to mind is police myself and Mm -hmm. not go out there so much. Look at what other people are doing. Look at other people's podcast Mm -hmm. reviews and how many downloads they have and like do this kind of like logical comparison. The more I've taught myself to just stop myself mid-sentence, the more spaciousness I have to hold the field for what's coming through me. And it's the same with social media. And you've spoken about it so beautifully, too. It's we can be fighting against the machine that is social media, Mm -hmm. or we can form an alliance, quote, with (laughs) its highest expression, And I feel the same exact way about it. And it really breaks my heart when I see brilliant, creative human beings who stop themselves from showing up and sharing on social media because of what they've seen be said about the machine or its values or its morals or how other people are using it, because Mm -hmm. ultimately it is what we bring to it it has no consciousness of its own. And when we choose show, to show up from creation and from truth yes, and everybody who comes in touch with the content that we put out, they're going to be moved in a positive and expansive way. But whenever we choose to show up from that place of should, or everybody's doing this for holidays or for this kind of mm. like talking about how, how much I need this quarter or yeah. whatever that is, whenever it's from the filter of should, or what we're seeing in the industry and we feel like we should catch up. It feels honestly irresponsible to be creating content from that kind of place when we look at the energetic blueprints of that. So this is one of the most intricate conversations I've sure had with somebody on the podcast about all these things, because I feel like we all move through so many of these things we're talking about in our brains, Mm -hmm. but some of them just don't really feel hmm, worthy of putting into words. But it feels so potent so that we kind of can bring them and release them and let them dissolve and go back into what we're here for, which is creation, which is love, which is growth, which is expansion and truth of the unique codes of who we are in this moment
1: hundred percent. I mean, this is my favorite thing, you know, bringing, giving voice to these obscure things that we all think about that we're like, what is that thing that I'm feeling? Like what, what is that completely inexplicable experience that I'm having? And I think most of the time, any of this, like pointing the finger you know, at social media or at the people using social media or at people that are, you know, we're pointing the finger at the industry or the way someone else is creating or the way that someone else is branding or the way that someone else is talking about their money, whatever. It actually doesn't, it actually doesn't touch you. It actually doesn't touch you. And a lot of where that comes from, it comes back to this pattern of containment wanting to contain that, which you don't like. So it doesn't touch you. It's actually you running away from your own discomfort at being presented with things that make you feel uncomfortable. It's got so much more to do with the individual pointing the finger than who they're actually pointing it at. And I think this energy of containment of like, I'm sick of hearing about this and I'm sick of hearing it. Like all of that is containment. Trying to contain that which you do not like that makes you feel uncomfortable. That's a you problem, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's a you thing. It's not an everyone else thing. And I, I just, I see this so much. And I remember going through this real thing of like, oh, I'm so sick of seeing people talk about their money. And I thought, yeah, but lots of people like that. Maybe I just don't cool, I know that. Now I can curate myself so that I'm not experiencing so much of that. Problem solved. So much of this is so simple, but we're actually not willing to practically have a look at what's going on. And we're not, it it comes back to this containment and self-responsibility. And this is kind of like that volume lowering thing that I was talking about earlier. If you don't like the sounds coming through your radio, change the station. If you don't like the way it's blasting at you, turn down the volume. These are really personal, practical things that you get to do. So if we're all finding social media a very triggering place, remove the things that trigger you. But most of us are very addicted to these things. We're addicted to this experience of pessimism, usually because we gain something from it. And it's a a very interesting place to be. Like if you actually removed all of the things that caused a problem, what would be left? Potential. Potential is scary. What do I do with it? It's complete unknown. Most people avoid going there. We all say we want it, but so many people avoid going there.
0: The visual that I'm getting is, and of going into an ayahuasca ceremony and talking about it for months and planning it and getting your white outfit and getting all the like crystals and then be like, all right, give me the cup, I'm ready. And then having your cup and being like totally blasted into out of body, into universe, into everythingness, and not even knowing what to do with it. It's a beautiful experience. And yes, it takes daily cultivation. It's not like Uh, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, let me crumble all of what I've been creating, let go of all of my identities and just trust that I'll be taken care of. It's this daily prayer, daily surrender, however that looks like. I think it's individual for all of us. But it's this moment by moment, really not even daily, but moment by moment surrender into, okay, can I trust that there is something bigger than me that has a better plan than anything that my brain could have ever come up with? And totally. that takes practice and that takes courage and rewriting the patterns of choosing not that takes time. And I think it's so important to give ourselves grace with that and see it not as necessarily a problem, but an invitation, right? I have a choice. It's an invitation. I can choose to deal with it now and step into the unknown and the expansion or, you know, decide I have too much on my plate. The puppy's crying and I'm just going to bookmark this in my heart and come back to it later. Yeah. Exactly.
1: It's like at this responsibility pace. Yeah. And you make moves from that place.
0: Yes. So totally different topic that I'm <laughs> so excited to get into is your brand. The yes. photography and the bold and stylish storytelling that you've chosen for how you communicate online. It's very beautiful. And it's very striking. Thank you. And I'd love to know what the journey has been and what role choosing intentionally to have this kind of photography and this kind of visual storytelling, what role that has played in the evolution and unfolding of your business and perhaps how has it impacted how you show up and how people show up?
1: Yes. Okay. Well, this is really fun. So in the beginning I believe the greatest thing that I could have done in my business was actually just to do anything. Honestly, create anything, have it look any way, because the practice is not in making it perfect. It's in doing something. (laughs) And I think so many people are in that position in the beginning where they're like, oh, but I want the branding and the website. And for me in the beginning, it was just important that I offered something and that I got in the practice of offering my art, continue to show up for it, kept, you know, ha- I had a link for people to pay me. That was the most important thing. But as I got more skilled at that, and that became really easy, then I could kind of add the next layer. And the next layer was, I made my own graphics and, you know, and that was fine. They, they were medium, <laughs> like they weren't stunning, but they were good enough. And then it was to create my own little, you know, member portals and things like that. Like, Every time I've become skilled enough at something that it's become normal and it's kind of become part of the embodied aspects of my of my brand, I've added the next layer and it's been a really nice way to do my business. That was completely unintentional, but it's in hindsight, that's kind of what happened. And then probably about a year ago, I just really wanted to increase or enrich, enrich is a better word, enrich the experience that people had when they entered my brand. I wanted them to feel the way the creation was meant to feel. I didn't want them to have to just read it to understand. I wanted them to feel it. And of course, when we're feeling things, it's because we're having an increase in sensation. And so when I look at that, well, how do I give people an increase in sensation from across a computer screen? Well, we bring in all the senses. We get them to hear things, read things, see things, feel things. <laughs> like, how do, I, how do I create that? I just started to feel my creations differently, see them differently. I was like, if this was a soundtrack, what would it sound like? If this was a graphic, what would it look like? Would it be bright and colourful or would it be muted and you know, obscure, would it be this or this? Would it be that or that? Like it started to enrich the storytelling experience when I could add all of these sensory elements to the way that I would offer my work. And so when I would have an idea, it would instantly start coming to me in like the way that it looked in a photo, in a gra- in an image. And I would instantly go onto Pinterest and I'd create a board and I'd say, these are the kind of shots. It's all color. It looks like this. This is the kind of environment. This is the exact translation of how this feels on the inside. And then it was just, you know, finding uh, one of my beautiful clients is an incredibly gifted creative director. Um, She does and I've hired her now. So she has all of my beautiful imagery. Um, I would run photo ideas by her. I would build all these ideas and she'd be like, yes, but you need this and this here's a photographer I recommend. And so we kind of just worked, started working together in that way where, you know, she's a beautiful creator in her own right. And so explaining an idea to her, she, you know, she feels it in the same way that I do. And so we would work together on the vision for these things. And it started to just become so important to me. It was part of that commitment that I made to have world-class experiences, no matter what someone paid me. And I cannot tell you how many people will enter into my work and be like, the experience of being in here is teaching me something. I I want people to have a very visceral experience when they enter. I'm like, I don't want you to just hear the words coming out of my mouth and for that to be the only value you receive. I want you to have an experience. I want you to know that I showed up for you to make you feel something. That is like my deepest desire when people work with me. I want you to feel moved and I want you to feel compelled to be different on the other side of this. And I think the way to do that is to activate all of those senses. So yeah, the storytelling and the images and the beautiful graphics, that was all just part of that. That was part of that sensory experience that I wanted people to have when they walked through the doors.
0: And how has that impacted how you show up? How does it feel to have what you've felt within you from the beginning, have it be translated in a way that people can actually see and experience with you?
1: It's impacted everything because the thing that comes to mind is I am that. This creation that's coming through me is not coming through me because I'm not there yet. It's coming through me because it's a piece of me that's embodied that I need to start walking as a leader. And so once it comes through me and I start seeing it, I'm a writer. Well, now I start moving as one. Now I am that. So I walk through my day as a writer and the way that I start perceiving life is through the archetype of the writer and I'm seeing life differently. So when I'm the woman who's creating the festival, And I start having this really beautiful experience of, you know, the way that it was coming to me. I was like, it it feels like a carnival. It's like, get on the Ferris wheel. Where are we going? What am I going to see when I get to the top? It's going to look completely different up there. That was kind of how I was seeing it in my mind. And so that's kind of infiltrated in all of the storytelling, which is that I'm taking center stage. I'm grabbing the mic, come backstage, come into the green room. Like it's kind of traveled. And then visually, I imagine that. People are walking in. They don't know what to expect. It is all a mystery. That's how I feel in life. So I am that. I am walking through life like it is one giant mystery. And I am seeing it through the eyes of a festival goer being like, what am I going to see? And so when I walk out my door and I take my dog for a walk, when I go to school pickup, I'm not just going to school pickup. I'm saying, what can I perceive about life that is going to help someone else live more richly? So it's this whole experience of once I see it visually, I'm like, I know that I am that. And so I need to be that. What
0: I'm seeing is this idea of instead of waiting for somebody to give you the mic and give you the stage and invite you into the green room, it's this internal creation of building your own stage, giving yourself the mic and trusting that what is alive in your experience and the things they are observing and noticing, they are valid and they're important. And they're in your experience exactly because they're meant to be embodied by you and yes. shared and put out there in the world, alchemized through you.
1: Yes. And I mean, this is the most beautiful part about this you know—this entire festival experience because I really don't know what my people are feeling. I don't know what they're walking through. I don't know what my community are experiencing because I have chosen to turn Volume down for now. And what that is encouraging me to do is to really listen in, like, listen in in a way that I've never done before. Not to them, not to my community. Like, yes, as a friend, yes, as a humanist, but as the creator of the festival, I'm like, I am being called into the most deep trust that everything I see has a place in there. And so I'm going in blind. I am going in every month being like really hope this lands for you. <laughs> cuz this is what's pertinent for me. And I am trusting this with you. And you have trusted in me cuz you have no idea what I'm showing up with either. And it is the most it's the most amazing reminder of our interconnectedness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is the most amazing reminder because I will go out and have the most simple human experiences. And somehow before every call, every month, I have a list of things that I want to talk about. I bring them to the people and they will mirror the exact same sentiments back to me, which is, you have no idea how timely this is. (laughs) You have no idea how much I needed to hear this. And I think, wow, isn't that amazing? Because I had no idea what's happening in your life like, this is the interconnected nature of humanity and like, what a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, I am that. I am, I am the walking mystery. I'm the one who's being asked to like sharpen her focus and see life differently and to alchemize that, bring it back to the people. So yeah, the, the visual storytelling is just, it's the beginning point of all of that. And yeah, it really matters. Like I want people to see it and already know something about it. You know, if you looked at Mystique, there are these kind of like, my face is half covered and it's like artistic angles of hands and laying on a bed, but like, you can't always see my face. Like there are some really obscure angles. And if I asked someone, and you know, it's all black and white. If I asked someone, what is that? Like what's behind that? They would say something mysterious, something a little bit underworld, something that's like, I I don't quite know. I can't put my finger on it. It's like, yes, it's this exploration of the liminal. And they would say, yeah, that really translates in a photo. I want it to. I want people to be able to see it and to decide for themselves what it feels like inside.
0: I really appreciate that glimpse into your creative process. I feel like we've really traveled into like the behind the scenes of your creativity Mm. and how you listen and how you trust and how you implement, how you bring it through. And I think that is such an enriching conversation versus here's like what's in the industry here's the kind of instagram formats you should be using right now you know instead we've like really zoomed in into this is a creative process of Mm -hmm. one amazing human being what does that awaken in you like ultimately what does that awaken in me and every listener and to anyone who comes across this conversation that is my biggest invitation always, because there's not a formula that is general. It's all an invitation to step more into the uniqueness of you.
1: That's exactly it. It's um, Yeah, the photo stuff is interesting because I see a lot of people wanting to you're um, like, oh, I need to do a brand shoot. I need to do a brand shoot. I'm like, I hope you get so specific about that brand shoot, because people are going to look at that and it's going to tell them a story, whether you've told it or not. It really does matter what people feel and perceive when they see a photo.
0: Yeah, and trusting all of the different codes that are in it that will never be put into words—the state you were in, what you were thinking about, how fully were you living your life in that moment, how are you feeling about your business in that moment, the outfit choice, yeah. how you took those photos—everything, everything, everything mm-hmm. matters, and everything comes coded in code and the frequency and as I say that, I'm thinking about the photos I have on my site that don't feel aligned anymore. They were like the previous chapter of who I was. And I had an amazing photo shoot a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to be editing the photos this week. And it's so exciting to kind of just feel into that and unfold. And I feel like I have a whole deeper appreciation of it because of how you've put into perspective the meaning of that. So thank you for that invitation.
1: Oh, thank you. I can't wait to see them. I honestly, when people say they're doing photo shoots, and I mean I am so uncomfortable in photo shoots, I also just want to add that. I am not comfortable. It's actually one of the things that I probably work the hardest at, the the visual storytelling. Like I work very hard at that because it's not the most natural thing for me. But the storytelling Mm. piece means so much to me (laughs) that I'm willing to to do that. But yeah, when people tell me that they're doing photo shoots, I'm always extremely interested. I'm like, I want to see what I feel. I'm really interested to see what I feel when i when I like, do I know more of you through seeing it? I'm really interested, so can't wait to see yours.
0: Mm-hmm. It's happening, I also am very uncomfortable still in front of the camera. <laughs> and out, so I've been doing most of my photo shoots myself with a timer, with a remote on my phone. And I've been really happy. I know that there's possibility of collaborating with other artists on this in the future but having lived in the forest for the yes. last three years and like the shutdowns and everything, I've really just gotten into the groove of doing it myself and it's been really fun. And it's been like, there's no timeline. There's no pressure. There's no, one to to prove. And it's just me feeling into what's happening. And in this last photo shoot, as I was shooting, I felt like there's something I want to be holding Mm-hmm. And at first I'm like, maybe I should make cacao because that really represents who I am and my creative process mm-hmm. and the plant that I work with so much, but nothing in me was like, yeah, go make cacao. So I kept listening and taking my time. And then a bouquet of flowers of roses showed up at the door from my mentor. Mm-hmm. At the <laughs> moment, I was feeling like I need something in my hands. Yes. So it's this divine timing. And and that got woven into the tapestry of those photos and how they're going to represent what's on my site, the offerings, my Instagram, everywhere they're going to go. So um, I'm just like really rejoicing in all of the, I feel like there's more touch points added to every piece of everything I put out there as a result of this conversation. And I'm so deeply grateful for you so generously sharing your process, where you're at, your thoughts on the industry and social media and your entrepreneurial journey. And before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to bring in?
1: Not at all. I think this has been the most intricate and delicious conversation I've had on a podcast. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And it's been such a pleasure to offer this. It's amazing. I feel so good.
0: It is my joy. And I feel the same way. And I'm going to add the word enriching also, which you have brought into this conversation. Very enriching. And I feel kind of buzzy with creativity. And um, (laughs) shout out to Pinterest. Shout out to Pinterest. that is not sponsoring this podcast, but probably should be because all of my creative (laughs) processes always start with Pinterest
1: as well. Me too. Honestly, you can go on and have a bit of a rough idea and you can just go down a rabbit hole and eventually find like the, it, that one thing that like captures the mm-hmm. That's just the best.
0: Always. Yeah, and I've get had so many there. times in my life where I would just be scrolling, looking for something specific and then an image will pop up and then I'll pin it. And then two months later, I'm living in a house that looks exactly like this image So kind of like taking the subconscious codes of what perhaps we're desiring to see in our fields without knowing that they exist or that they're possible for us and then watching it materialize. And it typically happens in a way where I look back at my Pinterest and I'm like, wait, I didn't even remember that I pinned this. And that's the beauty of like this playfulness on social media. And I do the same on Instagram and uh, and TikTok. I'm always curating videos that represent what I want to create or bring in. And it's so fun to kind of curate that way. I love it.
1: Yes. It's so funny that you talk about the home because the exact reason I'm living where I'm living now is because of a Pinterest image I shared on my Instagram (laughs) like 18 months ago. And I was like, friends, where is this? Like, I want to live in this exact house in this exact setting. And one of my girlfriends, Rachie, reached out and she was like, babe, this is the Gold Coast hinterland. You need to move. About nine months ago, I did. (laughs) And that's where I live now. I live in that hinterland with that view from that image.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing it so much. And an invitation that miracles are possible and we don't need to know the how. It's just this invitation to tune into what makes us feel alive, what excites our creative juices and know that everything else will be shown one step at a time. That's exactly right. Thank you so much. Brittany, what's the best way for everybody to connect with you and any, anything else that um, you want people to know about the offerings or kind of just the best ways to Shout out at you.
1: Come on to my gram. The handle is I am Brittany Eastman. So come over there. And all the links are linked in the places where links go. And then you can just click on the bits that you like. And I'm sure if the offerings were exciting to you, you've already heard them and you can go find them at the link. So yeah, just come over to the gram. Everything's hooked up from there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Brittany. Wow, this conversation was such a profound activation. My puppy was crying towards the end, but thankfully Eric took care of her. And the photos that I am referencing, I've already started publishing. So if you check out my Instagram, Brief, you'll see my profile picture as of right now is that photo as well as one or two photos from that photo shoot are up. I would love to know what this conversation has activated in you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you for listening to your own truth, for expressing it in the world. Thank you for sharing this podcast if it moved you. And thank you for saying yes to creating a new way of being with us.